1 Corinthians chapter 12 and starting in verse 12. And I'm going to read a stretch here and we're only going to cover part of it today, but I want you to see uh, see the context there. First Corinthians 12 and starting in verse 12, Paul says the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. Yes, the body has many different parts, not just one part. If the foot says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not a hand, that does not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear says, I'm not a part of the body because I'm not an eye, would that make it any less a part of the body? If the whole body were an eye, how would you hear? Or if the whole body were an ear, how would you smell anything? But our bodies have many parts and God has put each part just where he wants it. How strange a body would be if it only had one part. Yes, there are many parts, but only one body. The eye can never say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head can never say to the feet, I don't need you. In fact, some parts of the body that seem weakest and least important are actually the most necessary. And the parts we regard as less honorable are those we clothe with the greatest care. So we carefully protect those parts that should not be seen while the more honorable parts do not require this special care. So God has put the body together such that extra honor and care are given to those parts that have less dignity. This makes for harmony among the members so that all members care for each other. If one part suffers, all the parts suffer with it. And if one part is honored, all the parts are glad. Amen. Let's pray over the word as we get into it this morning. Father, we love you. We thank you for your word. Thank you that it's alive and active. Thank you, Lord. You're teaching us today. You're training us up in the way that we should go. You're building us up as individuals and as the body of Christ, the church. I thank you, Lord, that you will open our eyes today to the wonders uh, of your word. Holy Spirit, that you will minister uh, to each one uh, as they have need. God, you'll give us what we need for today. And you'll continue to teach us and grow us up into the image of Jesus Christ by the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you for these things in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So last Sunday, we started talking about community and what that word means and what it means for us uh, here in the church. And and community means, you know, you're you're in the same place or you have something in common. You have the same uh, attitude or interest or goals. And then we saw that there are three things out of 2 Corinthians 5 that make us alike, right? Number one, we have the same Savior. Number two, we have the same condition, which is why we needed the same Savior. And then we have the same mission. God has put us on a mission of reconciliation, uh, that we are agents of reconciliation, reconciling uh, the world to Christ, just as God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself. Christ is in us, reconciling those who are outside, bringing them in. Amen. And then Wednesday night, if you were here, uh, we we spent some time talking about identity. You know, those are big words right now. How do you identify? Or I identify as this. We talked about our identity and how it can be multifaceted and it can be uh, a lot of parts, but that nothing should identify us more than Christ Jesus. We should identify in him first and foremost, and then everything else falling in right relationship uh, after that. In other words, nothing in my life should I identify with more 
than my life in Christ. Not my life as a, as a husband or a father, not my occupation, not the things I do recreationally. All of those things should be under Him or in subjection to Him because all of those things are temporary and they can go from being here to not being here. And if that is my primary identity and it goes from being here to not being here, then I am ripped apart and I am I'm like a, a feather in the wind. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know who I am anymore. So what we looked at is that you've got a, a, a system, a blessed system that's going to work when he is primary when he's above all, he's my primary identification, and then I fall underneath that, and then everything else in my life, all those other relationships, all those other things that I do, all those other occupations that I may have, all of that falls in right relationship underneath. And then those things which could have harmed me if I put them in the wrong place are now receiving uh, grace from him and actually uh, strengthening them, making them healthier, uh, for me to be involved with, or if it's not healthy for me and it's toxic for me to be involved with, he will, since he's up top, he removes everything that doesn't need to be there. Amen. Amen. And one of the things that he has called us uh, to into in him is the local church. And we're going to spend some time this week and uh, for at least a few weeks going forward talking about the church. Remember, we were talking about Jesus uh, as we led up to Easter. And the way I see it, we, we, we talked about uh, Jesus, the person, who he is, what that means for us. And then we talked about what he did, right? His work on the cross, the redemptive work that he accomplished for us. And then what we're going to move into now is the fruit of that. This is who he is. This is what he did. And this is what it means for us now uh, as the body of Christ. So the church, the community of faith. And remember, what do we have in common? We've got those things in common. We've got the, in common that we have the same Savior. We had the same condition and we're on the same mission. And uh, last week we quoted Charles Spurgeon and I didn't write it down exactly. So I'll paraphrase him. I'm sure at this point he's used to people misquoting him. Uh, some of you will get that, some of you won't. He gets quoted a lot because he, he's, he's a good quote. Uh, he said, in all my looking, I've never found the perfect church. Uh, and if I had found it, it would have been better for me not to have joined it because if I had found the perfect church and I joined it, I would have spoiled it by being a part of it and said that I haven't found any perfect church or perfect people, but even though the church is not perfect, it is the dearest place on earth to us. Uh, and, and so we'll be quoting that quite a bit as we as we move on through that. And that's one of the things that this passage teaches is that out of many parts, God has made up the body of Christ. Uh, we are called uh, after we're saved. We're called to pursue Christ in our life, with our affections, with everything that we have. We're, we're called to pursue him, but we're not called to do it alone. Amen. We're not called to pursue Christ alone. He has joined us together uh, in this community, together with one another uh, to pursue him together. Now, when we come to Christ, we may keep this. We should. We, we keep the same family. 
you know, natural family. It may not move us geographically, but when we come to Christ, we are moved from one kingdom to another kingdom. We're moved from one community to another community. The Bible talks about moving from darkness into light. And so we move into this new family and this new family, the church, this community of faith, we're called to pursue Christ together. So this morning I want to focus on verses 12 and 13 here in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, where it says the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews, some of us are Gentiles, some of us are slaves and some are free, but we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit and we all share the same spirit. I was done with that one anyway. So the first thing we want to talk about is that the body of Christ is one, is one. The, the church is not uh, simply a human construct. It's not something that man devised based on just common interest, mutual interest. It wasn't built by man on common belief or activity. It, it, it's not the Jesus fan club. Right. You remember when we were growing up, you, you had this band's fan club and you'd have somebody who was the I'm the president of their fan club. You know, and then you had all the other people underneath that. That's not what this is. It's not just coming around that. It's not the association for the study and dissemination of the teachings of Jesus. That's not what this is. It's not man made. Are there man made organizations who are who are getting it wrong? Sure, there are. But the church was created by God in Christ and assembled, held together by the power of the Holy Spirit. The church was created by God in Christ and assembled and sustained by the power of the Holy Spirit. A community of people that God has created, assembled by him for the worship of God, set to the the mission of reconciliation, like we talked about last week to the glory of God and the ultimate good of those who are involved. That's what the church is. That's what it is. It's not just a get-together and it's not just a gathering. So when we talk about what is the church, one quote that I found, it's really short. Um, It's not by Charles Spurgeon. Uh, It's by a theologian named John Frame. He says, what is the church? He says, essentially, it's the people of God in all ages. And I thought that was so good because we can get so uh, focused on where we are and who we are and what's going on right now. But to say that the church is the people of God across the span of history up until now and on into the future. That's what the church is. The the people in all ages and the people of all ages. Our, our, Our young folks back here aren't the church of tomorrow. They're the church. They're the church, too. And I I heard that and I was like, that really, you know, we always say that. Well, you know, they'll be the church of tomorrow. They're the church right now. They're the church right now. They're a part of what God is doing right now. And as a community uh, of people worshiping God, the church has been around all the way back to the beginning, all the way back to Genesis, all the way back in the garden. And then you see through the Old Testament, this imagery of God creating a family out of not a family, right? We, and we talk, we've talked about Abraham and how God took a, a, a couple who didn't have a family and made them his family. And you had Isaac and Jacob and the sons of Israel and they became a nation. You see this imagery throughout 
the Old Testament. And in the Old Testament, the people of God, uh, Israel, were described as an, as an unfaithful wife to the Lord. Uh, meaning the Lord had love for them, but they didn't reciprocate that. And they weren't loyal and they weren't thankful uh, to Him. But in the New Testament, after Christ has come, we see that uh, description change from an unfaithful spouse to a pure bride that will be presented to Jesus, holy and blameless, spotless, at the end of all things. The people of God uh, were weak. They were rebellious. They were selfish. They were prone to wonder and, and wander, not wonder. We should be in wonder. We are wandering, prone to wander. But yet Christ came and saved and cleansed and purified them by taking the penalty on himself, just like our story. See, Christ died for individuals. He died for me. He died for you. And he also died for a people. And, and, and that can sound confusing, but for the purpose of establishing something out of nothing. And so we see the symmetry between his work in us individually and his work in us as a people, right? Because to save the people, you have to save them individually. But again, God's not called us to just seek him, serve him, and, and pursue him alone. He's called us to do it together. And that's his great and grand design because pursuing him together is going to be even better for us than if we just did it alone. We, we encounter a lot of things that, you know, may be difficult, may be trying. Maybe when, we, when you walk with other people, there, there's trying things that can come our way, but it's still so much better than being alone. Christ died for us as individuals, but he also died for a people to establish a people and and to to point that out I'm going to quote you don't have to go there the book of Acts chapter 20 and verse 28 Paul is speaking to the church at Ephesus and he says pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the holy spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God which he obtained with his own blood. So see, he died for us to seek and save me and you, but he also obtained the church in his sacrifice. He paid for it with his blood to bring a people out of not a people. And I know that doesn't sound good grammatically, but that's the best way I could find to say it. He is saving individuals, saving you and me, and he's saving uh, them into a new people group. Out of not a people come the people of God, come the church. And in this verse here in verse 12, it points out that uh, the body of Christ, the, it says the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up the whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. This is a metaphor for the unity of Christ with the church and the unity of the church with itself, with one another. Us in the church, unified together in this body and then also in union with Christ. Aren't you glad that it describes it in such a way that we share the same skin as the Savior? Now, we also share it with one another. So you have to endure my weaknesses and my struggles and my, my trials but we share the same skin with 
the Savior. It describes it as being so close that we're actually in him, actually on the inside of him. I know some of the language we use is we ask Jesus into our heart. But the greater thing is not that he's inside me, but that I'm in him. It doesn't get any closer than that. So it's a metaphor when he uses this body metaphor. It's it's to describe the unity of Christ with his church and the unity of each Christian with all the others. And I know some of that stuff is technical and it's and it's kind of a high view of the church. So let's get a little bit more plain spoken in it. What does that mean for us here on the ground? What does that mean for us in our life? How does this take shape for us? And if you look at verse 13, he says, uh, some of us are Jews, some are Gentiles, some are slaves or bond servants, and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, and we all share the same spirit. So he's saying we're different in a lot of ways, but we are also alike in a very important way. He uses Jews and Gentiles, and he uses uh, bond servants and, and free people. See, when he said, talks about the Jews, you have to think of it in, in, in terms of they had a history with God. Okay, they grew up hearing about God, the God, of, the, the God of Eden, the God of Mount Sinai, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the, the God who uh, defended the people, the God who brought them back out of exile. They, they had a relationship in a, some sense with God, though they still weren't what they needed to be, again, going through the history there. And then you have the Gentiles who were far from God, who didn't know of God or were at such a distance that they couldn't gain any type of good understanding. They, they knew little or nothing about him. They were living for themselves and maybe even serving false idols, counterfeit gods, right? Fake gods. Uh, so he uses those two as an example to kind of contrast one another. And then he says uh, bond servants or slaves are free people. So a bond servant would have been somebody who was under the authority or rule of another person. Right. Not free. It's like being an employee, but you never go home. That's just where you live. And you're under that master. You're serving them either because you were born into that or because of of debt that you couldn't pay. You had to be sold into service so that you could eventually pay that debt. Right. And and we don't necessarily have that, but that was a a very real situation for them. He says, so, so bond servants or free people which means I can do what I want when I want, right? I have means, I have uh, freedom uh, to to engage in these different opportunities. I answer to myself. And you can see uh, these examples. What, What Paul is trying to demonstrate is whether you were close to God like, like Israel was, yet still incomplete and still rebellious because that's what we saw in them, right? They knew God. They knew of God, but they were still incomplete. They were still rebellious. He said, or if you're far from God, if you're like the Gentiles, if you're like the Greeks, incomplete and seeking what only God can provide in all these artificial and counterfeit means. Or if you're a bondservant or a free person, whether your life was restricted or you had a shot at whatever you wanted, he's saying Christ came to save you. 
He came for the Jew and he came for the Gentile and he came for the bondservant and he came for the free person. Despite all of these differences in the old life, you're now joined together in the new life. He said the church is made up of all these parts that used to not have things in common. And now they have this great commonality is that Christ has died for them and they have received new life in him. This new life in the body of Christ. So look look at it again. The human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. Some of us are Jews. Some of us are Gentiles. Some of us are slaves and some are free. But we have all been baptized into one body by one spirit. And we all share the same spirit. Now, notice that all those natural distinctions didn't immediately just fall away. They didn't immediately fall away. Wednesday night, we talked about all these different ways that we can identify ourselves. He's saying some were Jews, some were Gentiles, some were bondservants, some were free. He says, but we have all been baptized into one body and one spirit. We share the same spirit. So you see the past tense there. We have all been baptized into one body by one spirit, even though I may have been a Gentile, I was really far from God and you were of the nation of Israel where you were a little bit closer to him and thought you had a better understanding of him. Yet your heart was just as dark as mine. He's saying, I came for both and you've both been grafted into this same family. The English Standard Version, that last line of verse 13, it says, we have all been made to drink of one spirit. And I love that because the Bible uses phrases like you're thirsty, come and drink. You've been parched and you found nothing that could satisfy you. There's one drink that satisfies every man, every woman, every child, one drink. And that's the only one that there is that can satisfy everything else won't. But there's one that will. And it doesn't matter if you're coming from this background or this background. And it doesn't matter if you're in this situation or in this situation. There's there's only one. Right. It's not like, well, I can't take that. I'm allergic to penicillin. That won't work for me. That won't work for me because I'm this. That won't work for me because I have this. There's just one, just one. And it's universal and it's across all of us. And that's what he's saying is it doesn't matter where you came out of and what you came from. And again, it doesn't drop away. So the bond servants he was talking to, they were still bond servants. But they but in their heart, they had already been made free And if they were free, they had already seen that being underneath their own authority and their own freedom didn't get them what they thought it would and they would be better under subjection to the right and good King Jesus. And the Jews, they thought they knew God and they thought that they were close to Him. They thought that they had experienced Him, but there was, it, it was nothing compared to what He had in store. And the Gentiles had tried to make sense of Him on their own and called Him all these different things and had all these false gods and tried to make their own systems and seek their own pleasure and find it out their own way. And He, he was there for them as well. He says, we have all been baptized into one body By one spirit, we share the same spirit, all made to drink of one spirit. And this is the blessed framework of the church, right? Not just our church body, but the church, the church universal, the church 
worldwide from all experiences and all backgrounds and all histories and all labels Christ is saving and bringing together. So the things that otherwise would have united us, our our, our backgrounds, our histories, our labels, Christ is joining us together as a new people, the body of Christ, the church, uniting those who were far from him uh, with him, even as close as being a part of his own body, even as close as being part of his own body, being in Christ. And not only that, we're not only in union with him, but he's joining us together with one another. For a purpose, one body dependent on the grace and power that flows from him toward us through our brothers and sisters. See, I'm going to receive a lot of grace from him through you. I receive it from him, but most of the time, the grace that I receive from him, I'm receiving it through you. The encouragement that I receive from him, I'm receiving it through you. The blessing that I receive from him, I receive it through you because that's the way he designed the body to work. And we're going to spend some time talking about this, but we're one body dependent upon, again, the grace comes from him. The power comes from him, but it's poured out through you. And I'm a recipient of that. It's poured out through me and you're a recipient of that. And we come together and and the family there is so much better than we would ever be alone. The church belongs to him. It's his church. He calls it in, in the gospels. He says, it's my church. He builds it. He sustains it. He uses it to grow us up. Right. Because we talk about when we come to Christ, we're born again. But when a baby's born, that's not all that there is. You've got to grow them up. They've got to get bigger. They've got to get stronger. They've got to get smarter. And then they start to develop these abilities, these gifts in themselves. And then they're useful to the body. He uses the church to grow us up. He uses it to reconcile others to himself. He uses it to share the light of his kingdom here on earth. It's shining a light of example to the world. This is what right relationship with God looks like. Don't expect us to be perfect. It's not the church of the perfect people. It's the church of the perfect person. He was because we couldn't be, but because he did for us, now we are in him. So I can identify with what he did instead of what I have done. Amen. You ought to be glad about that part. (laughs) Maybe you're just like, whoa, that's yeah. But that's what makes us so glad is we can identify with him and what he did instead of being identified just by what we've done. He uses the church to grow us, to reconcile others to himself and to shine the light of his kingdom here on earth. And we're going to spend some time talking about these things. But I think that's enough for today. Amen. So if, if, if you can and you're able, why don't you stand up with me? Uh, Andrew's going to come as, as I pray and uh, lead us in a song together uh, as we as we finish out. But I just want to encourage you to to lean in as we are going through this time of uh, study on the church. What has Christ done that we are receiving from? And it's going to be so good. Uh, and, and I believe it's going to help you. 
Uh, I believe it's going to help you, especially if you have ever struggled to kind of find where you fit in the body of Christ to find, well, God, what am I here for? What am I doing here? What, what am I supposed to, to do? It, it's going to help you in that. It's going to encourage you in that. And then it's going to show you the great uh, wealth of blessings that he has tied up in this relationship for us. Just like he's, he's done so much tied so much up into the marriage relationship and, and the parental uh, parent-to-child relationship. He's tied things in there uh, for us to bless us and teach us and help us to know Him better. It's even more so with the church because the church is His own body, His own possession, right? His own special people that He's called us into. Amen. Let's pray. Father, thank You for the church. Thank you that it is your church, God, that you built it, you sustain it. You have simply called us into it. God, I thank you as we as we learn or are reminded uh, the great blessing that the body of Christ is in our life. God, that we will be uh, fervent for her, that we will be zealous for her as you are. God, that we will have the heart for the church that you have for the church. God, and having your heart will we'll be better, better ministers of your kingdom. God, administrating your kingdom here on this earth, among ourselves, among the household of faith. God, and, and reaching out, uh, shining the light into dark places. God, carrying peace into chaos and, and out of uh, chaos, bringing order, bringing the order of your kingdom, the good and right order that we flourish under. I thank you, Lord God, for the church. I thank you that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church. God, you have constructed this and built it as your own special possession, God. And I thank you that we find ourselves in Christ and not just in Christ uh, and look around and we're standing all alone, God, but you, you've joined us together with an assembly of saints. You've made us a part of the same body, close with each other and close with Jesus, God, to build us up and grow us so that we'll be able to understand you more, glorify you, and lift you up with our lives, with our words, with our actions, and with our movements as your body. Lord, we love you. Thank you that as we get ready to leave today, that your people leave together in unity and harmony, just like one body together. I thank you. You protect us as we go. You preserve us and sustain us that your people are blessed. God, as we prepare to go to Fort Lookout today uh, to minister to them, I thank you that you give us strength in our bodies and our minds. You give us wisdom and peace to carry with us out there. God, I thank you for patience. I thank you that we won't uh, be, be led into temptation uh, in the meantime. God, to look at things just as from a natural perspective, but we will see the way that you see through eyes of faith. I thank you that you will accomplish what you mean to do today. And God, as we sing to you, as we join our voices together, singing truth about you, I thank you that it'll be um, branded on our hearts and it'll be brought to our memory uh, when we need it, God, because a word at the right time, the Bible says a word at the right time, how good it is. I thank you that you encourage us and build us up in Christ Jesus as a part of the church today. In his name, amen. Let's sing together.